Amen. Well, good to see you this morning, Cross Point Church. How's everybody doing? Everybody doing well? I want to just say happy Labor Day weekend. How many of you enjoying the weekend this weekend? Anybody? I, uh, I hope you're off tomorrow. I hope you get that day off. If not, uh, I'm sorry. I'll be working along with you probably. I got a lot to do, so just use it as a makeup day or something like that. But uh, it's good to see you here this weekend. I know that this is typically a weekend when we have a lot of people out. And I know our college ministry is away. Uh, we've got a lot of our college students are away doing a, uh, a weekend adventure trip or something like that. But uh, college students, they just, you know, they get a, 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 th- a extended weekend. They're gone, you know. So, But we'll be praying for them while they're away and being discipled and, and uh, walking through God's Word together. But it's good to see you here today. Hey, before we dive into the Word, uh, in, in this last message of our Welcome to Our Church uh, series, I want to um, just reiterate something to you and that is the importance of the next series that we're going to be walking through the next series that we're we're launching starting next Sunday is called vertical and it's it's the the subtitle if you will is building up uh, generations of disciples and so it's one of the things that we need to 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 be a part of because it really is a a turning point for our church we want to encourage you to to be here for all six messages of this series. We believe that this is more than just a, a, a campaign for raising the money for our permanent facility, uh, which we hope to see uh, start very soon. But it, it, more than that, we, we see it as, as something of a spiritual initiative for us as a church where we can grow together and, and come together and seek God together and be impacted by His Holy Spirit together. Uh, we look for it to be a, a time, uh, those six weeks together, is, is very life-changing for us as a church and as individuals. And so I just want to encourage you to, to see the importance of it, value the importance of it. If for some reason you can't be here for one of the messages, please go online. You can watch it there. Uh, but we just ask that you commit to those six weeks with us. And let's journey with Jesus together in that series. And so just want to say that before we dive into today's message uh, today we do finish up a series called Welcome to Our Church, which is really revealing the DNA of who we are. And so let's pray, and then we're going to dive into God's Word together here this morning. Pray with me if you will. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, Lord, we thank you for this day, and we thank you, God, for the opportunity we have to celebrate you. Uh, Lord, as, as individual followers of Christ, we worship you in spirit and truth. But God, we also have this amazing opportunity to come together collectively as a body and to lift up our voices in praise and adoration because, God, you are so worthy of all of our praise, all of our worship. And God, we are here to bring glory to your name. Father, we thank you for your presence in our life. We thank you for what we celebrate uh, being the, the history of this church over the last 10 years We have seen you move in ways that we can only imagine. But God, we also pray that, God, you would continue to help us to stay focused on that which is important, and that is to keep Jesus Christ as center in our life. God, to believe with all that we are that the gospel message is the message which we are called to take into our community and to share with those who are living lives of hopelessness that they may discover what we know about you. And the Lord, that is that you bring salvation and hope and love into our hearts. And God, we, we thank you for this time together as we, as we wrap up a series, God, as we continue to, to study together your word. 
I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds, that we would be receptive to hear from you, that, God, we would be able to set aside every distraction in our life, that we would be able to to focus on your word and, and, and your voice. God, we love you and we praise you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. As you noted in the video or you saw in the video, 10 years ago today, we launched Cross Point Church. And that's worthy of celebration. As we look back, we, we recognize that this, this church began 10 years ago today. It's, it's really amazing because uh, I, I remember that f- first Sunday so vividly. There was, there was 13 adults, and we had actually made plans to go to Atlanta. We were going to go up to Atlanta and, and, and visit a few churches over the next couple of weekends to sort of understand what some other churches were doing as, as a pastor. You don't get that opportunity to go off to different places. And we just wanted to go and just see what other people were doing and, and, and such. But, but something happened that weekend that sort of forced us to not be able to, 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 to go off, to stay here in Valdosta. And so we just gathered in our living room. There was 13 adults and two youth and two children. And we gathered in this, in this living room and we just began to study God's word together. We began to to really just try to understand the vision that God was laying out to us as a small body of believers. And this is what we came to. This was, this was the conclusions that we reached that day. That what was mandatory of us, what we, what we valued more than anything, was to ensure that Christ was center in everything. That we would be a church that is Christ-centered. We would be a church that is focused on not the things of this world, not even religion, but, but on Jesus Christ and that we would be focused on him and that we would keep him center in everything that we do. We also believed that day that, that the gospel message of Christ was the most important message that we could ever proclaim to the world. You know, in small groups like that, it's easy to talk about the, the Georgia Bulldogs and how they just, you know, they just whooped up yesterday. It's, it's real easy to, to talk about those things. I enjoy talking about football and, or, or talking about your last golf game or all the different things that we, you know, that we have to talk about, places we've been and traveled to. But, but we believe more than anything that the greatest message that we could carry to our community was the gospel message because we believed that that message is the only message that has the power to transform lives through Christ Jesus. Amen? And so we became a church that was Christ-centered and gospel-centered. Now, I'm not saying that this was original to just us. I mean, obviously, the, the church of Christ, it's, it's, it's very central to understand that Christ is central, that we are a Christ-centered church and that the gospel is hugely important. But as we continued to pray, we also believed and we committed to this that our focus would be on our future and we would not dwell on our past. You know, the reality is then and today, we all come from different backgrounds and we all come from, we all have a different story about how we came to be at this place this morning. Our, our paths are, are so much different. There's such diversity in this place even today. And so, but the reality is, is that most of us here today probably have some regrets in our life. Probably we have some mistakes that we've made in our life. And it's so easy for the church these days to focus on the past and not focus on the future, the place where God would have you to go. 
as not only individuals but as the church. And so we committed that day to, to not dwell on the past but instead to focus on the future. And one of the things that we're going to be looking at today is exactly that in this passage that we're looking at. If you will, turn to Philippians chapter 3. Going to Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 16 is where we're going to sort of camp out today. And the, the message is titled, We Will Grow Together. Now, when we talk about growing together, I'm not talking about numerically. I'm talking about maturing as, as disciples of Christ. I'm talking about growing spiritually. I'm talking about, about not remaining wherever it is that we find ourselves today as a follower of Christ Jesus, you know, Paul describes in his letter to the Corinthians, he talks about the, the many different stages of the Christian walk. He talks about the, the Christian coming to know Christ and being a spiritual babe and much in need of, of the nourishment of, of the milk of God's word, the basics of Christianity. And, and so he describes uh, a person being a spiritual babe. But also in Scripture we see where there are those who are maturing in their faith and becoming multiplying leaders. They're beginning to share their faith, and others are coming to know Christ. And we even see people in Scripture who uh, become co-laborers of the gospel, who go out and, 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 and share their faith with others and become missionaries or pastors or whatever. But, but here's the reality. We, we should, as followers of Christ, desire to mature as disciples. We should long to grow in wisdom and understanding of not only who our Lord and Savior is, but who we are as a Christ follower. That should be the heartbeat of every Christian that's sitting in this room today, the, the heartbeat to grow. And, and so today I want to talk about what it means to grow together. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 through 16. The thing I love about the Apostle Paul is that he's just really the real deal, isn't he? You know, when you look at Paul and you, you, you read his letters and you see in Acts all the things that happened to Paul, you begin to realize real quickly that, man, he went through a lot of the hardships and the struggles and the strife that you and I go through as well. And he just handled things so, so beautifully uh, as we look at the man. And, and, and the thing about Paul, he was just a true fighter, but he was more than just a fighter. He was more than one that just stood for what he believed. He was also a man who would learn from from his past. He was one who would, who would learn from his mistakes. He would learn and grow in them. And he was constantly teaching the church about the need to, to grow spiritually as a believer in Christ Jesus. A good friend of mine, Jason Cobb, he posted something on Facebook this week. I really liked it. He says, he says this. He says, I never lose. Either I win or I learn. And I love that. That's the kind of that's the kind of attitude I believe all believers should have as we press on through life, being a Christ follower, being someone who is in pursuit of God's glory and everything that he has in store for us. As we, as we learn and grow and, and live with Jesus as we journey with him, I believe that the, the attitude that we would possess is, you know, we always win with Christ Jesus, Amen. We sang about earlier that he is sufficient in all things. How many of you believe that Jesus is enough this morning? Amen? That Jesus is enough. And so if Jesus is enough, then, then, then we have the winner on our side, don't we? And we always win if we, we either win or we, uh, or we learn from our mistakes. And so 
This morning, I want to read through this passage because Paul was a real fighter. He was a learner. He was one that, that learned from his mistakes, and he, he also was one who taught the church a great deal about what it means to grow and mature as a follower of Christ Jesus. So read this with me, if you will, starting with verse 12. He says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, But I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. What a challenging text for us. The Apostle Paul writing to the Philippians. And so he's writing to this local body of of believers. He's writing to those who gather in this community called Philippi. As he's writing this letter, he it is very obvious that he has great affections for this church and they have affections for him. There's a great relationship that they have together with each other. And in this passage, what we realize and recognize right off the bat is that Paul is going to challenge them with several things to consider or to remember as they continue to grow in their relationship with Christ Jesus. One of the first things that Paul points out is this. He's he's writing this letter, and he wants them to be very clear that they should pursue perfection. That they should pursue perfection. Look at verse 12 with me, if you will. He says here in verse 12, he says, Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Now there is a huge difference between claiming to be perfect or even thinking that we can be perfect than there is in pursuing perfection. And let me say that again because I I don't want you to walk out of here with any misunderstandings. There is a huge difference between claiming to be perfect or even assuming that you can be, than there is in pursuing perfection. The Apostle Paul here is not talking about the reality that he is perfect. He's not boasting to the church saying, hey, guys, I've made it. (laughs) Follow me. Okay, He's not saying that. He's not not being arrogant in one bit. Instead, he is pointing out to us that he has not obtained perfection, and, and, and the reality is he, is, he he knows that this side of glory, he will not be perfect. He's not saying that, listen, we need to strive for per, per, uh, perfection so that we can be per, uh, perfect, perfect in this side of, of glory. But what he says is we need to, with great excellence, pursue perfection. Why? Because Christ is perfect. And what he's ultimately doing is he is putting on display the standard that Christ has set for us, the reality that Christ is perfect in every way, that he is righteous and that he is holy. And he says, this is the standard by which we should strive for. And so he says, pursue perfection. 
I was asked the other day, or it was a while back actually, but I was asked one time if I was a perfectionist. <laughs> and and the, the answer kind of caught me off, I mean the, the question kind of caught me off guard because I've never really thought of myself as a perfectionist. But the person was sort of seeing me as one, and I started thinking about that, and I thought, no, in, in, in many ways, I am certainly not a perfectionist. In fact, you go look at my desk and the mess that's on there, and you'll realize I'm not a perfectionist, okay? Everything's out of place. I mean, it's just, it's always that way. You go and you dig around in my toolbox for a screwdriver, you may have to search the garage floor among all the other mess to find a screwdriver. I mean, in a lot of ways in my life, I'm not... I'm not a perfectionist at all, but as he asked this question, I begin to think, you know, maybe, maybe there are certain things about my life where I pursue perfection. And I begin to think about my faith in Christianity and, and the reality that I hope that every day of my life I am pursuing the excellence of Christ that I am pursuing what it means to be like Christ, that I am a perfectionist in the way of in which I long to be more like Jesus every single day. And I hope that makes sense to you here this morning. I believe that's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, listen, I'm just an average guy like you are. But the reality is I want to pursue the perfection of Christ. I want to pursue to be like Jesus in everything that I do. I, I, I saw a bumper sticker that I think sort of sums up who I am. It said this. It says, I am a perfectionist with a procrastinator complex. <laughs> That's kind of me, you know. I, I think that just sums it up real well. And uh, in other words, I am not a perfectionist, okay? But I can pursue perfection. And in the same way, Paul is presenting this to us. I, I was thinking about this. And I was wondering, why pursue perfection? Why, why pursue holiness? And the reason I bring up holiness is because when we look at the scriptures, as we, we look throughout the scriptures and we see this word perfection, many times it, it, is, it is bound very tightly to another word in the scriptures called holiness. In other words, as we think about who God is, as we think about who the Father is, we know that He is holy and He is righteous, and we would say He is perfect in every way. He is pure without sin. And so perfection and holiness are really bound very tightly together. And as I was thinking about this, and I was, I was thinking about this reality to pursue perfection, and is this really what Paul is challenging us to do? Because you know, the, the reality is if we are saved from our sins, then, then we are saved from them, both past and present and future, right? And so it, it would almost sort of go against what Scripture teaches us about what Christ has done for us to even care about pursuing holiness if Christ has saved us or forgiven us for our sins. And yet all through Scripture, it teaches us to pursue holiness, to pursue righteousness, to live for, to discipline ourselves as followers of Christ Jesus to where we are in quite pursuit of God's holiness. Three good reasons, and there's many more, but three good reasons to pursue perfection I want to I offer to us this morning. The first one is this. As followers of Christ, we've been called to live holy lives, to reject sin, to turn away from unholiness, to turn instead to righteousness. 2 Corinthians 7, 1 says this, Since we have 
these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of the body and spirit and bring holiness to completion in the fear of God. I love that. To bring holiness to completion in the fear of God. Fear being meaning reverence to God. Believing that God is holy. Believing that he is just. Believing that he is righteous. Believing everything that God is and pursuing that because we long to be like him. And so here we see this uh, as followers of Christ. We're called to live holy lives. The, the second thing I, I would bring up is this, is that the Father has set the example for us. In, in fact, Jesus declares to his disciples to pursue the same perfection. He says in Matthew 5, 48, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And you look at a passage like that and you go, man, there's just no way. When I think of my life, I don't think of God. I think of God as being so much greater than I. Amen? I think of God as being so perfect and pure and holy in every way and knowing that I have a long way to go. In fact, I know that my righteousness is only because of the blood of Jesus Christ that has been poured out and atoned for my sins. And so I look at this and I go, man, how in the world could Jesus place that kind of expectation on me? And it's because he has done everything for me by going to the cross and dying a death on the cross for my sins and for yours. The third thing is this, our pursuit of holiness. And I love this. Here's a good reason why we should pursue perfection or holiness. Our pursuit of holiness helps us see, helps others to see Christ. Look at Hebrews 12, 14 for just a moment. It says this, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. I love that. Pursue holiness so that others may see the Lord. You see, the reality is as I think about that verse, I think about the, the reality that, that what they see in me is not perfection. But what they see is the standard by which I am pursuing. They see that the one whom I long to be like is Jesus Christ. And through my pursuit of holiness, others can ultimately see him for who he is. And that is the hope for their life just like he is the hope for mine. And so it's a beautiful thing to consider that Jesus Christ has called us to seek or to pursue perfection here's the second thing that paul challenges the church with the second thing is to commit to progress to commit to moving forward as a church as an individual he says in verse 13 and 14 brothers i do not consider that i have made it my own but one thing i do and i love this one thing i do forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead i press on toward the goal of the for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul says here, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I love the imagery that comes with this text. I mean, the reality is, is that Christians all over the world are often stricken with fear because of failures they think about in their past. You know, God, they feel as though God is calling them to move forward with their lives as individuals, that God is calling them to, to, to be obedient in, in a certain thing in their life. And yet, 
They cannot quit dwelling on the past, their failures, their mistakes, all the things of their past. And, and they, they see that that might be the reality if they move forward. And so often it keeps them from doing just that. Paul says, I strain toward what lies ahead. I don't focus on the past. And I think about this, and I think about who Paul is. Think about Paul. I mean, could you imagine if, if every time he felt as though God was calling him to respond in obedience, that Paul would suddenly start remembering, well, there used to be a time when I persecuted Christians. They, they may not like me. They may stone me and, and drag me out of the city and leave me for dead if I go in there trying to preach the gospel. I mean, could you imagine what it must be like if Paul was constantly battling that inside? But what Paul says is, he says, I discipline myself to forget the things of the past, to forget the future, I mean, the, the things, my failures in the past, my mistakes in the past. I don't dwell on that. Instead, I dwell on the reality that God is calling me to progress. I dwell on the reality that God is calling me to move forward, and I want to be obedient in that which God has called me to. And so therefore, he says here in this passage, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal. Key words here, straining forward, and I press on. Just recently, I was looking through some pictures with my dad, and one of the pictures that my dad handed me was a picture of my granddad, and he was plowing with a mule. You know, I don't know if many of you have ever seen that in my life. I've seen it when I was a boy a time or two. I haven't seen it recently. I mean, we have tractors these days. But, but the reality was he showed me this picture, and my granddad was behind this heavy plow, and that plow was being pulled by a mule. And the scene was very obvious what was taking place. That ground was hard, and, 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 and he was plowing through he's breaking through that new ground and that mule was just was just pulling that plow and it was just so obvious to me what hard work that was I was thinking man I'm sure the farmers are glad that's not the way it is today and this is exactly what I see with Paul pressing on moving forward straining for what lies ahead looking ahead not looking back but moving in the direction that God would have us to go. Commit to that progress. In our vertical series that we're going to start next week, we're going to be walking through Joshua. And I love the story of Joshua. You know, the Israelites have been on the wrong side of the Jordan River for, for quite some time now, really because of their disobedience. They'd sent spies into the land, they came back and they allowed the the report of the, of the giants that were on the other side of the Jordan to cause them to be disobedient to God. But there was a new season among the Israelites, and Joshua was the one who was commissioned to take God's people across the river. Could you imagine what it had been like if God had called Joshua to arise now and to cross over this Jordan and to receive the land which I have promised you and Joshua said <laughs> I'm not your man God no I don't know that the time I don't know if you remember God but there were some giants over there there were some huge hurdle hurdles to to take to to, to get across there were huge barriers there exists a barrier today God have you seen that raging river called the Jordan 
Could you imagine if he backed down in fear? But he didn't. And so a commitment to progress is what the word of God, what Paul is talking about here to the Philippian church. Job 36 says this, he says, he opens their ears to instruction and commands that they return from iniquity. If they listen and serve him, they complete their days in prosperity and their years in pleasantness. I love that. Isn't that where the church should be? Living a life in obedience to God and where he calls us to go? Living with the attitude of, God, here I am, send me. Here I am, send us. So committing to the forward progress or committing to the the advancement of God's kingdom. Here's the third and final thing. Paul challenges the Philippian church to consider their purpose or for us to consider our purpose. He says in verse 15, he says, let those who are mature think this way, and if anything, if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. I love what he says here. Let those of us who are mature think this way. Think about what he's saying. Think about what Paul is, is, is preaching to, to the Philippian church. He says, listen, pursue the righteousness of Christ pursue perfection, pursue holiness. In other words, remain blameless in who you are as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Pursue that perfection. And as you do, commit to the forward progress, to the advancement of the gospel, to the advancement of God's kingdom by being his messengers to a world that is living in hopelessness. And then he says this statement, that those of us who are mature, Continue thinking like this. Continue believing like this. Let those of us who are growing in our maturity as Christ followers, as disciples, let us continue to embrace the things that God is calling us to, to pursue the righteousness of Christ and to continue to move forward. The purpose of the Christian church is to glorify God and to fulfill the will of God as he pleases. We are called together as a body of believers to bring glory to the name of Christ, to worship Jesus together, and to accomplish that which he deems as important for this community and for us as as a collective body of believers. And so here we see that Paul is preaching these truths to them, reminding them to hold on to these things that are so important. For the individual believer and for the church. For us to know God's will, we must grow. For us to continue to understand the will of God for our life collectively as a body of believers, we must grow together. We must mature and grow in the name of Jesus. Romans 12, 2 says this, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Mature as a believer, as a follower of Christ. Let us grow 
together. Peter reminds us like this. He says, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Instead, grow, mature as a believer in Christ Jesus. Grow and mature as a believer. I mentioned at the beginning of this message that 10 years ago, 10 years ago, we launched a church, and we celebrate that today. But my prayer today is not that we just continue to celebrate the past, but instead to focus on the future for this church and for us as individual followers of Christ. To continue to strain forward, to press on toward the goal of the prize that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. To be a church that remains Christ-centered. To be a church that said the most important thing to us is Jesus. My prayer is that we as a church become a church that says we will be obedient to the will of God. That we as followers of Christ Jesus will always be asking the question, God, where do you want us to go next? Here we are. Send us. The single most divine appointment of the church today is to go out and to make disciples of all nations. I am thankful today that we don't look like we did 10 years ago. Amen. I'm thankful that we don't look anything like that. But here's the truth. 10 years from now, we shouldn't look anything like we do now. Ten years from now, we shouldn't look anything like we do now. God has called us to pursue his righteousness, and he has called us to advance the kingdom of God, to go into our community, to go into the byways, to scream from the rooftops the gospel message of Jesus Christ, which provides hope to the hopeless. That's what God has called us to do. And a church that grows spiritually can't help but grow numerically because people come to know Christ Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We will not apologize for growing. We will not apologize for growing. We will continue to be a Christ-centered church and a gospel-believing church and continue to do the will of God however He leads Hebrews 1, 3, and I'll finish with this, says this. He, meaning Jesus, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus Christ, the radiance of God's glory. I pray this morning that every single one of us can see Jesus that way. I pray that this morning every single one of us will recognize Jesus as the radiance of God's glory, the exact imprint of his nature, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit of God all in one, impacting our lives as individual followers of Christ, impacting this church 
bringing us together, molded together and bound together by the love of Jesus, only to scatter us out into our community that others may know him. In just a moment, I'm going to pray. And our band's going to come up here, and we're going to close with that last song. And I pray that this morning you would respond to whatever God's voice is telling you. This morning, if God has called you to to respond by the singing, the worship, and the praise collectively as a church, then you worship and you praise God with all that you are, singing the lyrics of this next song from the depths of your heart. Or maybe God is calling you to come to this altar and to to pray and let us be a church that, that prays and we pray, God, I pray that we would not focus on the past, that we would not dwell in the past, that we would not consider our, our failures and our mistakes in the past, but that we would grow from them and we would focus on Jesus Christ who is the author and the perfecter of our faith and if we pursue anything, it would be the cross. Maybe our prayer this morning is to come and to lift up our community. Maybe our prayer this morning is to come and say, God, we don't want to look like this in 10 years. We want to continue to see the mighty movement of God, and we want to be faithful. We want to be faithful in everything that we are. We want to be obedient, and we want to follow you. You are the head. We are the body. We follow you. Maybe this morning you... Want to know what it, what it means to be a disciple of Christ. Maybe you're here today and you don't have the answers that you need. You feel as though God is working in your heart. So let me just encourage you. Our pastors will be down front if you want to come and speak to them. We will meet you right here in this room to my left. You're right. This is our connection room. We'll pray with you. We can answer any questions that you may have. But today, before we leave, let us respond to what God is laying on our hearts And let us be the church that continues to celebrate that Jesus is our everything. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, Father, for all that you are. God, we do thank you for for 10 years of just being able to journey with you. God, it's been an amazing journey. But God, as we look forward to the next 10 years, Father, we know that we need your direction, your vision, your headship. Father, help us to remember your lordship as we pursue holiness and righteousness. Father, I pray that as a church coming together, God, that we would recognize that what you have accomplished in this place is a mighty movement of God. But God, what we desire more than anything is to continue to journey with you. To remain obedient to that great commission that you have called all of us to. And that is to take the greatest message that this world has ever heard to those who are in desperate need of it. Thank you, God, for the ministry that you have here. God, give us more. Send us out. As we stand here today as a church that says, here we are, send us. God, I pray that you would help us to understand your will for our life. Give us wisdom. 
and discernment. God, as we seek your will over our own. God, we love you and we praise you. And now together we worship you in the name of Jesus we pray.